in red. Is that right? So the red letters. You know, you can spend so much time looking at what Jesus did that you can overlook what Jesus said. Did you ever think about that? Now, we're grateful. How many of you are grateful, grateful for what he did? Oh, yeah. I just prayed concerning that just, just a moment ago. And we should emphasize what he did, certainly, certainly. But you can spend so much time on that that you can get out of balance and overlook what he said. How many of you think it's important, not just what he did, but also what he said? Huh? Is that right? Yeah. So that's what we're doing this year. We're looking at what Jesus said, what he said. And today we're going to look at Jesus on forgiveness. Jesus on forgiveness. What did he have to say primarily about us being forgivers? Now, in Matthew 6, we have what's known as the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching his disciples to pray. And in verse 12, he says, Matthew 6, 12, New King James Version. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then in verse 14, he he says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That's, That's very, very serious. How many of you want God to forgive you? I want him to forgive me. But if we refuse to forgive others, Jesus, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, just said that our Father won't forgive us. Very serious. If we refuse to forgive, then it blocks God from forgiving us. Now... Let's read verse 15 in the Amplified Version. Jesus says this in the Amplified. This is the way the Amplified puts it. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses. Now notice their reckless and willful sins. Have you ever had anybody sin against you? I know I've had them. Sin against me. You need to realize that when people do things to you, sometimes it's just they're being reckless. They really don't even realize what they're doing. They don't even know. They don't know what they're doing. They they haven't pre-calculated it. They haven't premeditated it. They were being insensitive and they just acted rashly and they were reckless and they sinned against you. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? And then... He talks about willful sins. I've had people willfully sin against me. Willfully. I mean, on purpose, they full well knew what they were doing. And they they did me wrong. Oh, yeah. I could tell you a story about a dog that would make a cat cry. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, oh, how they wronged me. I think anybody that's lived any length of time on this earth can talk about how people have wronged us. Sometimes they do it on purpose, sometimes they don't. But in either case, what does Jesus say? He says, leaving them, letting them go and giving up resentment. 
See, the definition of forgive is to let it go. To let it go. Realize, say, let it go. That's what forgive. The biblical definition, you look it up in the biblical uh, definitions and the concordances and dictionaries. That's what forgive actually means. In the original Greek, it means to let it go. To let it go. So when people do you wrong, recklessly, they don't even realize what they're doing. They didn't invite you to the party. And they, you find out later, they just accidentally forgot. Okay? And then, they didn't invite you on the part, to the party on purpose. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Either one. Boy, you all looking at me so serious. Has anybody ever been slighted besides me? Has anybody ever been slighted accidentally? They just overlooked you. And you got mad about it. How many of you have been slighted on purpose? You found out later they just didn't want you coming in their house. Huh? In either case, uh, we have to forgive. What does forgive mean? Huh? Let it go. Let it go. Another way to say it is build a bridge and get over it, right? Build a bridge, get over it. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. You don't know what they did. You don't know. You don't know what they did. Well, you know, there comes a time we just need to build a bridge and get over it. Is that right? Just let it go. That's what forgive means. Let it go. And give up resentment. He says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go and giving up resentment, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Now, notice in Luke 17, verse 3. Let's turn there. Amplified Bible again. Jesus says, pay attention and always be on your guard. Looking out for one another. If your brother sins, that means misses the mark. What should you do? Well, solemnly tell him so and reprove him. In other words, if somebody did you wrong, go to them with a good and a right heart and seriously tell them that they offended you. Okay? And if he repents, what does that mean? Feels sorry for having sinned. If he repents, then what? Then forgive him. And even if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, I am sorry, you must forgive him. Give up. Or let go of the resentment and consider the offense as recalled and annulled. Now, how many of us have trouble forgiving once in a day? Or once in a while? Or once in a year? But he not only said once in a day. How many times in a day? Seven times in a day. If someone sins against you and if they repent. And say they're sorry. And you know they mean it. Then we must what? We must forgive them. Well I'm not going to forgive them. Somebody might say. Well then what does that do? That keeps the father from what? Forgiving us. Is that right? Is that correct? Forgiveness is so important. One of the reasons I just feel impressed to go off my notes here for a moment. 
If you don't forgive, a spirit of offense can get a hold of you. And it can run your life for years and years and years and years and years and make you one of the most miserable people. Make you miserable yourself and miserable to be around. If a spirit of offense, an attitude of offense, say it that way, gets a hold of you. And you know that's gotten a hold of a lot of people. Over the many years as I've dealt with many, many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the many years. That offense, spirit of offense. Well, they wronged me and you hold on to that. And then, and then the devil will get in, involved with that too. He will get involved with that. And uh, just make you miserable and make you miserable to be around. Did you hear me? So don't give in to, to a spirit of offense. One of the best ways to deal with a spirit of offense and not letting it get a hold of you is be a forgiver. Be, a, be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive people. Quick to forgive. We'll say more about that as we go. But Jesus said seven times in a day. And you know something else that that gives me encouragement in is that if I mess up, how many's ever messed up more than once in a day? You know, if, if Jesus says that I ought to forgive others seven times in a day, how many of you know that Jesus isn't a hypocrite? Is that right? He's not a hypocrite. So if he, if he told us to forgive others seven times in a day, then isn't he going to forgive us up to that many times in a day? Surely. Surely, surely. Now we'll say more about this seven times in a day here in just a moment, but I want you to notice that, you know, forgiving somebody once in a day is one thing. Seven times, that's a little harder to do. And it's interesting, right after Jesus in verse 4 here talks about forgiving up to seven times in a day, notice what the apostle said to him in verse 5, Luke 17 verse 5, amplified. Notice what the apostle said after they heard that seven times in a day. Notice what they said to the Lord. Lord, what? Increase our? Lord, help us increase our faith. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of faith for us to be able to forgive somebody seven times in a day. They said, we're going to need more faith for that. It's not easy to do, but how many of you know the Lord will help us and he'll increase our faith and help us? Much we could say about that as well. But it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to forgive people sometimes. Sometimes that's the only way you can forgive them is by faith. What what do you mean? Well, you don't feel like forgiving them, so you do it by faith. Remember, faith has nothing to do with feeling, does it? You just do it by faith, but you do it because God said, said do it. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you, of you, you've ever had to forgive somebody by faith? You just, you didn't, you didn't want to do it. You didn't feel like doing it, but you did it because God said do it. You just go ahead and do it. Just forgive them. It's going to take faith. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith to do it, but, but we need to do it. Now, notice in Matthew 5, verse 38, let's look at this New King James Version. Jesus makes this statement. He says, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye. This is Matthew 5:38, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Well, in order to turn the other cheek, you're going to have to be a forgiver, aren't you? You're going to have to be a forgiver. Now. When I read this years ago as a, as a young boy, I thought, well, Lord, you just want me to be a punching bag for the world. That's what that, that's what that looks like. He sometimes pops you on the one cheek, turn to him the other also. And uh, 
I learned this. I had the Lord and I always tell the story here. It's kind of a funny story. I'm playing racquetball with this fellow years ago. How many of you ever heard me tell the racquetball story? But I'll tell it again in case you hadn't heard it. But I'm out there playing racquetball with this guy and he whap. He hits in behind me, hits the ball and boom, he hits me on the backside. And I got angry. Has anybody ever got angry beside me? And I usually don't get angry, but I got mad as a wet hornet. And I turned around and I went up to him. And I was, I mean, I very seldom get like this, but I was, I forgot everything Jesus said about forgiving and I was ready to fight. A friend of mine was best man at my wedding. I was ready to go. And he looked at me and he said, my pastor, my pastor, remember what Jesus said. Turn the other cheek. And the true story is, as I, we went back out and within a few few points later down the road, he pops it, hits and guess what? He hit me on the other side. <laughs> Does Jesus want us to be a punching bag for the world? No. He, but, but did he say, turn the other cheek? I learned this. The Lord got this through to me a long time ago. And, and this is it. As long as we're, you see, if we don't turn the other cheek, then that means we're going to do the fighting for ourselves. And so we've got the boxing gloves on and we've got to fight our own battles. But if we will turn the other cheek and do what Jesus said, then we take our boxing gloves off and guess who puts the boxing gloves on? The Lord puts them on and he does our fighting for us. So, no, he doesn't want you to be a punching bag for the world. You obey him and he'll fight your battles for you. And then what I also had to learn is, OK, Lord, I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'll let you put the boxing gloves on and you just beat the tar out of them. You know, the Lord doesn't do that. He wants the person to repent. He loves them just as much as he does you. And when if you let him do your fighting for you, he'll get in there. Now, he won't violate somebody's will, but he'll get in there and do he'll do your fighting for you. And a lot of times he'll reconcile the situation and everybody you and the person that slapped you on the one cheek, you'll become friends and buddies. If you let Jesus in there and do the, do the fight. How many remember Pilate and Herod? They didn't get along. Remember that? But the Bible says when Jesus got in between them, they became friends that very day. Remember that? Remember that? So let's be quick to turn the other cheek. Be forgivers. And... Uh, and let God do our fighting for us. Now, I do need to say this because I have to throw this in here because over the many years of teaching on love and forgiveness, it, it almost happens every time. Not every time, but you'll have people that are either listening here, they're listening on the Internet, and, and they're, in a, they're in an abusive relationship. And uh, I've even heard of a story where a man was beating his wife and, and he would tell her that you need to stay in this relationship because the Lord said, turn the other cheek. That's not what the Lord's talking about right here. So I need to say this. If you're in, a, in, a, in an abusive relationship, you, 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 yeah, you need to be a forgiver and all of that. But you need to get out of that. God doesn't want you, lady, to be in a relationship where that husband's beating the tar out of you. Can anybody say amen? Okay. Because I can give you a whole bunch of other scriptures that would tell a lady not to stay in that. And fellas, if your wife's beating the tar out of you, that goes for you too. Don't, don't stay in that, all right? And let me throw something else in while I'm at it. Did you know verbal abuse can be 
in many ways as bad as physical abuse and in some ways more. But sometimes words will lodge in your spirit and, and you never, it's just real hard to get over it. We need to be watchful that we're not verbal abusers. That's why when, when my wife and I counsel folk, we, we, uh, couples, don't, don't argue. Has anybody ever argued between, beside me and my wife? Anybody? Don't argue when you're hot and angry. Because you'll say things you don't mean. We tell them, go to the neutral corners. My wife and I had to learn this. I especially. Go to the neutral corner. Cool off before you have that heated discussion. Because otherwise, if you argue when you're really mad and angry, you'll say things that you don't mean. And you can really abuse your, your, your spouse. Did you hear me? So, you, you, you know, I learned this a long time ago. Has anybody ever been in an abusive relationship besides me? Now, now not in my marriage, but with other people, you know, or anybody besides me? You know that sometimes you just have to love people from a distance. And I, I say this, I think this is original with me, I think. I don't think I've heard anybody else say this. I'd rather love you know, somebody from a distance. Loving them from a distance is better than hating them up close. Is that right? Is that right? So, uh, there's been a couple of folks over the years my wife and I have had to distance ourselves from because... Uh, it's just, you know, you give, because what I've learned, uh, something about abusers, a lot of times that, you know, they'll say they're sorry, you turn the other cheek, but then they slap you on that one, you turn the thing over to the Lord, and you do everything you're supposed to, but you know, God, as I said a while ago, He will not come in and violate a person's will. So if a person is going to continue to be abusive, et cetera, so on and so forth, then it's best to just separate yourself from that situation, and love them from a distance. You okay with that? All right, now let's move on here. I just needed to say that because because I didn't want somebody to be in an abusive relationship and hear me say, quote, Jesus turned the other cheek and then you stay in that and let that man beat the, beat the tar out of you. For, don't, don't stay in that. All right, Matthew 18, 21. Now, let's get back on this seven times thing. Matthew 18, 21. Peter came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, because now Peter's going to follow up on this seven times. You know... A lot of times when you follow up with the Lord on something, he'll, you'll get deeper in than, than, uh, than, than, than you were to start with. Watch this. Peter follows up on that seven times. Lord, how often shall my... This is New King James. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And notice what Jesus said. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to what? So now we're up to 490 times in a day. Huh? See, if he he might have been better off for Peter to stop on seven, but but he went and asked the Lord. Now we're up to four hundred ninety. Huh? And really, when you get into it, because people have asked me about this four hundred ninety, hold the New Testament there. But let me show you this: why the Lord said four hundred ninety. Daniel nine twenty four explains it. If you go over there, I'll read this in the Amplified. We'll just zip over to Daniel nine twenty four. We're talking about what Jesus had to say about forgiving. Notice Daniel nine twenty four. Seventy weeks. Weeks of what? 
This should be up on the screen in the Amplified. Seventy weeks of what? Seventy weeks of years or how many? 490 years are decreed upon your people. We can stop right there. How many years are decreed upon God's people? And and I'm not going to get into a end time teaching right now. But let me put it this way. Jesus said forgive how many times? Which is what? And, And so how does that tie in there? Very simple. Here's what Jesus is saying. As long as time is decreed upon his people, we're supposed to be forgivers. Did you get that? In other words, we're not supposed to keep a scorecard. Okay, I've forgiven you one, two, three times, four, okay, five, okay, six, okay, you got one more, seven, now I'm knocking, now you mess up against me eight times, now I don't have to forgive you. What is Jesus saying? As long as somebody's willing to repent, we're supposed to what? Forgive. Is that right? See, what I'm teaching you here today is how to get healed of cancer. Huh? I'm teaching you today on how to keep cancer out of your body. I'm teaching you today on how to keep disease and sickness out of your body. Yeah, but you're not teaching on healing. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm teaching you today on how to get your bills paid. I'm teaching you today on how to get God involved with your finances. No, you're not teaching on prosper. Yes, I am. A key to all of it, a key to walking with God is being a, real loud say, forgiver. Forgiver. Did you hear what I just said? Now, notice this, Matthew 18, verse 23. Let's go there. New King James Version, parable on forgiveness. Jesus gives a parable on forgiveness, a story here. Matthew 18, 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. I, you know, I used to be a math teacher. And so I got my calculator out yesterday and I went into some of my study books. And I found out how much that would be worth in today's money. You know how much that would be worth? Approximately $360 million. Now, I couldn't pay that much back. Could you? I'd venture to say if we put everything that all of us have here in this room together, we wouldn't even come close to $360 million. This guy couldn't pay this back. You need to realize that. This man could not pay the king this money back. Now watch this, verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. In other words, what they're going to do here, it's like when somebody can't pay their taxes on property. What does the government do? What does the county do? They'll sell it, auction it, get as much as they can. That's better than nothing. That's essentially what was going to happen here. Going to sell this guy, his wife, children and get what money he could get. But watch this. The servant fell down before the king saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Well, he could he didn't. I mean, we need to realize this man couldn't pay him back. He didn't have the wherewithal. He could. He, it was beyond what he could pay. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. How many of you glad, glad that God's full of compassion? Released him and forgave him the debt. That's a good deal, isn't it? 
But now pay real close attention. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, I did a little math on that. Today's money, that's about seven thousand dollars in today's money. That's where no that's nowhere clear to clear to what did I say. Three hundred sixty million. Seven thousand dollars. We can come up with that kind of money. So now this guy that was just forgiven the debt of three hundred sixty million goes out, finds one of his fellow servants who owed him about seven thousand dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Think about that. Grabbed him by the throat. Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now, this debt could have been paid if he had just had some patience. Now, the guy that's choking this fella, he just got forgiven something he couldn't pay back. And now he's choking a guy for something that could be paid back. And and, and his fellow servant have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison. Now, that was real smart. Throw the guy in prison where he can't make any money at all. Till he should pay the debt. Do you see what just happened right there? God has forgiven us a debt that we couldn't repay. He gave us salvation. Right? But then how many of us will turn around and go out and find somebody who does owe us something petty and we'll grab them by the throat and say, pay me what you owe. I'm not going to forgive you after we were just forgiven such a great, great, great debt that we couldn't pay. I wonder, has any anybody ever acted like this fellow that was forgiven this great debt besides me? I'm ashamed to admit that I've probably acted like that a time or two over the years. Verse 30, and when he would not, but went through him in prison. Now, this is the guy that was forgiven all this money. He throws this other fellow into prison till the debt be paid. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, verse 31, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. I want to stop for just a moment and say this. When we refuse to forgive, we open ourselves up to all kinds of torture. As I said a while ago, if we won't forgive, a spirit of offense can get get in there. And that can torture us. And actually, we can, we can be so unforgiving that we become tortured. The devil's able to torture us in things. In our mind. Bitterness will eat your bones. Did you hear me? Physical. Talking about physical healing. You know, I've laid hands on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years. And we've seen a lot of them healed by the power of God. I can't heal anybody. But you know a lot of them, you couldn't get them healed. You know why? Because they had bitterness and unforgiveness lodged in their spirit. And you could pray for them all day, anoint them with oil all day long. And and the power of God just won't flow. power of God won't flow through uh, doubt and unbelief, unforgiveness and bitterness. Did you hear what I just said? 
And, and, and anyway, the king said he was angry. He delivered this guy to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. Well, justice was done, wasn't it? And because this guy wouldn't forgive, justice was done. Listen, we, we, I don't want justice. I want mercy. How about you? But if we won't, this is coming out of my spirit. If we won't forgive others, then God's justice will be done with us and we'll get what we really have coming to us. And be thrown to the torturers. Is that right? I'd rather have the mercy of God. I want to be a forgiver. How about you? And then verse 35, he says, so my heavenly father, now watch this, so my heavenly father will do to each of you, if from your heart, say from my heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I was forgiven a great debt and so were you if you've received Jesus. So let's be, that's a debt we couldn't pay. Let's be quick to forgive others of the piddly diddly things that they've done to us. Can you say Amen. Now, I just want to go on just a little bit longer and just show you, just share some various things with you. Go to Mark 11, verse 22. I want to show you that unforgiveness can hinder things in your life. First of all, look at Mark 11:22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. New King James Version, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. Now we're famous for quoting, you know, in faith circles, we're famous for quoting these verses and talking about faith and having faith in God and, 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 and speaking to the mountain and all of that. And that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But I think we always stop on verse 24 and we wonder how come verses 23 and 24 are never working for us like they should. And I think it's because we stop at verse 24 and we don't continue reading on. Verse 25, Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, what? Forgive him. What does that mean? That means let it go. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I wonder how many of us in here, we've been believing God for something. We've been trusting God for something. We've been speaking to that mountain of sickness, disease, lack, whatever it is. And it just doesn't move. And we wonder what's going on. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Why is it my faith working? Why is it my faith working? And so many times it's because we've got unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts. And if we just forgive, make that one little adjustment and forgive, let it go, then our faith would work and we'd be able to receive from God. Did you hear me? Um, you need to realize that unforgiveness, the devil uses that to keep us in bondage. Go real quickly to 2 Corinthians 2. Verse 10, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 2.10. You need to realize that in the church in Corinth, there was a man there who was a part of that church. And he was living with his stepmother. And the church wasn't doing anything about it. They were actually prideful about it. And Paul wrote by the Spirit of God and said, you shouldn't be prideful. You need to deal with this fellow. He's not repenting. And so because he wasn't repenting. He said you need to essentially uh, set him out of the church, deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh and all of that. 
in the process of time, this man, guess what he does? He repents. And guess what the church does? They're not going to let him back in. Now, when somebody repents, we ought to forgive him. Is that right? But they weren't going to forgive this guy. And notice this. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 2.10. When you forgive this man, I, I forgive him too, Paul says. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. So now watch this. So, so forgive the guy, but watch this. Verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Notice verse 11 there in the New uh, King James Version says this. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You need to realize one of the devices of the devil is to keep you bound up by unforgiveness. That's one of his devices. And if, it, if he can keep you bound in that unforgiveness, it can lock you up completely where you can't receive from God. Your faith won't work. You'll be bitter. You'll get sick in the process of time. You'll, you'll get into lack and all kinds of stuff. Did you hear me? We need to realize that when there's unforgiveness about us, we're letting Satan take advantage of us. Did you hear me? I'm not going to let him take advantage of me. He stole enough from me. I'm not going to hold bitterness against anybody anymore. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. One thing I've learned too, you know, uh, when people wrong you, forgive them. Don't talk, don't tell, don't tell everybody and their brother what they've done to you. Let it go. What does let it go mean? Let it go. When people wrong you, have you ever heard people go on? To, well, you, you just don't know what they've done to me. You just don't know what they've done to me. You just don't know what they've done to me. You just don't know what they've done to me. What is that telling me? You haven't let it go. Let the thing go. When people wrong you, don't pay any, just don't turn the other cheek. Don't pay any attention to it. Just, just go on. I'm going to close here with some quotes. Mayo Clinic. Every, anybody, and we've been talking about what Jesus has to say about this. Have you ever heard of the Mayo Clinic? World-renowned medical institution. I looked this up. Mayo Clinic. What are the benefits of forgiving someone? Letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for happiness, health, and peace. Forgiveness can lead to healthier relationships, greater spiritual and psychological well-being, less anxiety, less stress, less hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, stronger immune system, improved heart health, and higher self-esteem. How about that? Mayo Clinic, what are the effects of holding a grudge? Bring anger and bitterness into every relationship and new experience. If you hold that grudge, then when you start a new relationship, if you're holding a grudge against somebody over here, we see this very oftentimes when people, you know, there's been a divorce and now they're going to, they're going to down, some time passes down the road, they're going to get married again. If they don't forgive that spouse in that previous marriage, a lot of times what happens is that grudge they're holding, they bring that into the second marriage. Did you hear what it just said? What are the effects of holding a grudge? You become so wrapped up in wrong that you can't enjoy the present. This is the Mayo Clinic saying this. Now, Jesus outranks the Mayo Clinic. Is that right? But I just thought I'd read some things from... 
Effects of holding a grudge, you become depressed or anxious. Effects of holding a grudge, feel that your life lacks meaning or purpose or that you're at odds with your spiritual beliefs. This is what they said. Effects of holding a grudge, you lose valuable and enriching connections with others. I also got this off. The, is it okay that I share something with you from the Mayo Clinic? I mean, we put the word of God first, but they said this. Don't define your life by how you've been hurt. You know, a lot of people define their life on how they've been hurt in the past. Is that right? Now I'm going to read from somebody. Have you ever heard of Joyce Meyer? She's about the best one on this. Well, Jesus outranks her too. Is that right? But here's what she said about this. You will ne- about forgiveness. You will never forgive if you wait until you feel like it. Choose to obey God and steadfastly resist the devil in his attempts to poison you with bitter thoughts. Make a quality decision to forgive and God will heal your wounded emotions in due time. Here's another one from her. You cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's too hard to do on your own. If you are truly willing, God will enable you, but you must humble yourself and cry out to him for help. Did you ever notice, remember, and she brought this up, remember when Jesus breathed after he was raised from the dead, he breathed on his disciples, he said, receive the Holy Spirit, remember that? And then right after that, he began to instruct them about forgiving people, which would lead us to believe that in order to be forgivers as we should be, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. I need his help, how about you? Here's another one from Joyce Meyer. I got a lot of Joyce Meyer stuff here today. I haven't quoted her for a long time, but she has a lot of good stuff on this subject. She's had a lot to forgive. She's a good example of of this. Forgive quickly. The quicker you do it, the easier it is. That's the truth. How many of you, if you're like me, you've held on to something for years and years and years. You've held on to it so long you've tied a knot in the end of the rope. You're still holding on. What does forgive mean? Let it. She said this, forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision we make because we want to do what's right before God. She also said this, I know from personal experience how damaging it can be to live with bitterness and unforgiveness. I like to say it's like taking poison and hoping your enemy will die. Isn't that true? Who are you helping most when you forgive the person who hurt you? Actually, you're helping yourself more than the other person. I always looked, as Joyce Meyer, I always looked at forgiving people who hurt me as being really hard. I thought it seemed so unfair for them to receive forgiveness when I had gotten hurt. I got pain and they got freedom without having to pay for the pain they caused. Now I realize that I'm helping myself when I choose to forgive. Here's another one. A few more of these. We're almost done. Do yourself a favor and forgive anyone that has anything against you. Do it as an act of faith and trust God to change and heal your emotions. Pray for your enemies and never never say another unkind thing about them. It is the only way you can move past the pain and begin to heal. You got time for a few more of these? Choosing for this is her. I've got a whole bunch of them from her. Choosing forgiveness is one of the most difficult things God asks us to do, especially if we believe that whoever hurt us is in the wrong and doesn't deserve to be forgiven. 
But God instructs us to practice forgiveness. And when we choose to follow the path of forgiveness, we will experience the peace and joy that come through obeying God's word. When you forgive, you must cancel the debt. Do not spend your life paying and collecting debts. Anybody's ever done that besides me? She said this. Your fellowship with God flows freely when you're willing to forgive, but it gets blocked by unforgiveness. Did we already talk about that today? Now, listen what Henry Ward Beecher said about this. I can forgive, but I cannot forget is only another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note torn into and burned up so that it never can be shown against one. Mother Teresa said this. If we really want to love, we must learn how to forgive. Listen to this. I don't know who said this, but forgiveness doesn't excuse bad behavior. Forgiveness prevents bad behavior from destroying your heart. I don't know who said this one either. You will begin to heal when you let go of past hurts. Forgive those who have wronged you and learn to forgive yourself. Sometimes we've got to forgive ourselves. For your mistakes. You know a lot of times we're harder on ourselves than we are on other people. Forgiveness does not change your past. But it does enlarge your future. You can't reach for anything new if your hands are full of yesterday's junk. It takes a strong person to say sorry. But a stronger person to show forgiveness. Without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. Pain, listen to this, pain is the fist that knocks you down. Forgiveness is the hand that picks you back up. Forgiveness can be, oh, listen to this. Forgiveness can be more painful than the wound for which it is necessitated. Do you get that? Sometimes when somebody does you wrong, sometimes forgiving and they hurt you, sometimes forgiving them can hurt worse than the actual wrong they did to you to start with. Why is that? Because we don't want to forgive. We want to hold, make, keep scorecard. I know in my, in my marriage, the first many years of it, whenever we'd have an argument, I'd go back with my scorecard. Remember what you did five years ago. You remember what you did three years ago. Remember what you did two years ago. Didn't I do that? Isn't it good that we can repent? Did I repent? Praise God. Don't do that. That's just, that's, I was not a, it was, it, it, it's, it's been better lately, hasn't it, over the last many years. Has anybody ever done that besides me? You go through a whole litany of what the person did wrong to you? Forgiveness, oh, I like this one, just two more. Forgiveness is a choice. But it is not an option. And the great preacher D.L. Moody said it best, I think. The voice of sin is loud. But the voice of forgiveness is louder. Did you get anything out of this today? I preached one of the best healing messages I've ever preached right here today. I preached one of the best prosperity messages I've ever preached right here today. I preached one of the best messages you can preach, not because I did it, but it was one of the best topics because it affects all of us. Did you hear me? And if we want to go on with God, if we want to do anything significant for God, we're going to have people that are quick to forgive.
be people that are quick to forgive. Now, you know, you must understand this. Did David ever, the King David, did he ever sin and miss it? Did he, did he, did he watch pornography of his day? Yeah. Did he commit adultery? Yeah. Did he try to hide it? Yeah. Did he, did he eventually 